God's word this morning. Come on, let's pray. Father, thank you for this wonderful opportunity we have to study your word today. What a privilege to minister your word today. Thank you for that which is in my heart. I pray that it comes out with boldness, with clarity, with simplicity, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I thank you for each person in the room, each person watching us online around the world. I pray, Father God, that our hearts are open today. We're ready to receive. We're making a demand on God's word today, on his plan for this service. We believe, Father, as we work together, Lord, we thank you that your will will be done, your plan will be accomplished, we'll be better because of it. We thank you. What a great season to be alive. What a great day to be alive. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As you know, for those of you that have been with us, we have been uh, dealing with the subject, the courage to pioneer. That's our mandate that we declared in the beginning of the year in January. Every January on Vision Sunday, we have declared uh, a mandate of our focus as a church for this year. Let me tell you something. I wouldn't go to a church that didn't have vision. I wouldn't go to a church that didn't have a clue what they were doing. Right? And weren't able to communicate to their congregation the plan of God for us as a body of believers. And so every year we've, we've declared that this year, the courage to pioneer. So we're revisiting that last two weeks. Uh, and today is our third Sunday, our final Sunday on bringing some clarity on the courage to pioneer. You can imagine, those of you that were here last week to hear the announcement that was made, and I'll say a little bit more about that. I've been waiting all year to give you the full picture of what it means to have the courage to pioneer. Obviously, you know, uh, uh, this transition that we're working on, we've been working on for the last three years. And it's something that you need to understand that, that this year, wanting so much to give you the full picture of the courage to pioneer. And so last two weeks ago, we talked about the courage to pioneer, the power of courage. We've never lived in a day that, there, that requires more courage for the child of God than today. It takes courage to live for Jesus takes courage to stand up for Christ in an anti-Christ environment. takes courage to raise your children in a Christian environment, to have a marriage that honors God, to, to be young adults that, that, that honor God and, and serve God and serve their generation. takes courage. See, the bigger the dream, the bigger the courage. The bigger the assignment, the bigger the courage. And so courage is to put courage in. That's what encourage means, to put courage in you. So we're encouraging you to not allow fear to stop you, not allow fear to hinder you. That doesn't mean that courageous people don't feel fear. We do. We just don't give in to it. We don't give in to fear because fear stops the, the heart of God. It stops what God desires to do through us. It doesn't stop God, but it stops God from moving and flowing through us. So having uh, the, the desire to say, we're not going to fear the future. You know, you know our, our statement, our big takeaway for the year is what? We don't fear the future. What do we do? We pioneer it. We don't fear the future. We pioneer it. And so we talked about what does it mean to be a pioneer? Someone who blazes a trail for someone else. Someone who removes the obstacle so somebody else can make the way um, that they couldn't do by themselves. It's taking the lead. It's taking the initiative. That's what we do here at IFC. We are a pioneer church, and we'll continue to be raising up pioneers with that pioneer spirit. Then last week we talked about the courage to pioneer through change. We asked the question, is change your friend or is change your enemy? One of the things that we've worked hard over these years is to make change our friend. I know many of us think change is a dirty word. Um, and it's hard to change. And the older you get, right, 
isn't it? It's difficult to change. It's difficult to flow with God's seasons and God's timing and God's purpose for our lives. We tend to get stuck if friend, if change is not our friend. And it's healthy, not just to change for change's sake, but to be sensitive to God's seasons. God is a seasoned God, and he wants us to be in the center of his will. And so we announced uh, last Sunday, uh, Vern and I, our transition from being lead pastors. That, that starting January 1st, we will no longer be the lead pastors of International Family Church, but we will be the founding pastors, and pastors Josh and Stephanie will be the new lead pastors here at International Church, Family Church at the first of the year. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, come on, rejoice with that, please. Now, we wondered this morning, because you know there are some people that don't go to church regularly, and I was wondering how many people would be here this morning that hadn't heard this yet. You've had a whole week to adjust, uh, but some people are hearing this for the very first time here in the room and joining us online, and uh, we couldn't have, be more joyful, we couldn't be more excited. I can't get into all the details about it, but I can encourage you to go back, get online, intlfamilychurch.com, watch the last two weeks, um, because I'm sharing vision, and today I'm going to be sharing one more piece of the vision. As a visionary, one of my greatest honors has been to share vision and to talk about what God desires to do, what's coming for us. And so the privilege of setting us up as a church to have this courage to pioneer, be willing to change as God directs us. And so today I want to talk to you about the importance of partnership, because what God's about to do is going to require partners. What God desires to do is going to require all of us, not just some of us, working together for the cause of Christ. What God wants to do is so big, that's much bigger than any one of us. It's only going to work through all of us. A great story is found in Luke chapter 5, where Jesus is standing at the shore of Lake Gennesaret. He's about to minister to a multitude of people that have gathered. These people are so excited and have such anticipation of Jesus' ministry to them that they are crowding him so much so that he's now almost in the water. In order for him to minister properly, he has to think pretty quickly, and he sees two boats that are empty there on the shore. Uh, the fishermen, the owners of those boats, are mending their nets and washing their nets, if you know the story. And so um, he thinks quickly, and he jumps into one of those boats, and that's the boat that Peter owns. And he says to Peter, Peter, launch out with me, please. Um, I need to get off the shore here so I can minister God's word to this multitude. And so we pick up the story in Luke 5, verses 4 and 5. And here's what it says. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. It's a powerful statement. At first, Peter struggles with what Jesus is asking him to do because it makes no sense to him. Because he knows, any fisherman would know that if you fish on the lake of Gennesaret, you fish at night. Day fishing doesn't work. And so he's trying, he's struggling with Jesus here saying, been there, done that. We've worked all night long. You don't fish during the day. So he's confused and he's like astonished. He's like, this doesn't make sense to me. And so he finds himself in a place where, well, this doesn't make sense to me. You know, I'm going to do what you tell me to do. What it is, it's a, it's a clash of two different perspectives. 
It's a clash of two different worlds, the fisherman and the carpenter. In essence, Peter is saying, Jesus, you pound nails into wood. I catch fish with nets. You do wood, I do fish. Right? That's exactly what he's saying. He's struggling here because he's saying, what does a carpenter know about us fishing? I don't try to tell you how to make that table. Why are you trying to tell me how to catch fish? And so the different perspectives are colliding. How often does that happen? When we have a religious perspective and a relationship perspective, or we have a poverty mentality or an increase mentality, or we have a, these different perspectives that collide in the church or collide in our society. And so the divisions of perspective are all around us. And so Peter was struggling with these perspectives and struggling with this um, idea of doing something so different that was so foreign to him. At least Peter had the sense to say, I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. But because you said so, I'm going to do it. Isn't that where all of us should be? That when you go through seasons and you go through changes and you go through issues in your life and they don't make sense to us, they don't make sense of why, why would God ask us to do that? Why would his word give us that instruction? Why would I hear what I just heard in prayer? And so because of that, we find ourselves in situations where, where wow, that's different. I didn't expect that. I thought this season would continue or I thought this relationship would continue and, and we have to make this change. I pray for you that you will have that same attitude as Peter did. That he would say, Lord, this doesn't make sense. But because you said so, I'm going to trust you. It's all a matter of trust, isn't it? It's all a matter of trust. And so Vern and I have had to trust God. Like in, in the natural, well, yes, this is a transition we've been working on for three years. And yes, it's been extremely emotional. And yes, there's plenty left in the tank. There's no doubt about it. It has nothing, no issue of that is concerned. And people have asked, why would you do this now? You've got such energy and such joy in what you're doing and, and, and your leadership is so valuable. That's the beauty of it. God asks us to step out oftentimes when you're right on top. Right? When you're right at top, when you're at your best. This new season of pastoring pastors and ministering to local churches and helping families and, and so forth and, and all that you'll hear so much more about. What a great opportunity. Maybe in the natural you might think that doesn't make sense. But when the Lord says to do it, we need to trust him that he knows what's best for the Del Turcos. He knows what's best for the Roberts. And he knows what's best for International Family Church. Amen. I can't tell you how many... People, dozens of you, said to us, we've never seen anything done like this before. We've been a part of churches where there have been splits. There's been fractions against fractions where it wasn't done with decency and in order. And thank you for, for doing this in the right heart, with humility and with obedience. Amen. And, and that's exactly God's plan. So here we have the struggle of perspective, if you will, taking place. Luke 5, 6 says again, it says, um, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Wow. See, this well-seasoned fisherman had to be utterly astonished. What? This amount of fish during the day? 
and he's overwhelmed. They've never caught, I have to believe, they've never caught this amount of fish like this before. This is their business. This is their livelihood, and God cares about our businesses. And he instantly realizes, I can't handle this net-breaking blessing by myself. So not only does Peter cry out for help, Jesus cries out for help with him and joins him together, both crying out for others to come to help. So the other boats come and help, and their nets also then began to be so full that those nets began to break, and those boats began to sink. Question, did it bother the Lord that their nets were breaking and their boats were sinking? It's not a trick question, okay? <laughs> right? No, it didn't bother the Lord at all. We see no record that the Lord is so concerned about their nets and so concerned about their boats. You know what this tells me? God's an over-the-top God. God knows how to bless his people. God knows how to overwhelm you with his blessing. God knows how to overtake you with the blessings of God. God knows how to turn that situation around that's not enough and make it more than enough. God is not a God of just enough. He's a God of more than enough. He's an over-the-top God. He's a too-much God. And this is proof here that when you obey God and you obey his instructions, look what happens. Something about obedience, something about saying yes to God's way of doing things, something happens when you agree to do something that might not make sense to your natural mind or doesn't make sense to your education or doesn't make sense to your sensibilities of what it is that God's asking you to do. When it comes to his strategies and wisdom, his way, his word, his provision, he wants to show himself strong to you. So many of us have been brought up with a, with a poverty mentality. I know I was. I was brought up in, in my Pentecostal church with a poverty mentality. Man, we didn't understand increase. So we understood a lot of wonderful things, don't get me wrong. Our passion for Jesus and our love for God and, and our love for, for each other. There's just no doubt that I learned so many valuable lessons, but, but increase was not one of them. And so we got to be careful that we don't have this poverty mentality, this mentality of just enough, us four, no more. Um, and we don't, we're not concerned about others. It's one thing to say, I, I just want God to bless me. I'm not, I don't want extra. I don't want to overdo it. You know, well, how are you going to help the widows and the orphans if you don't have extra? How are you going to reach Ghost Beta if you don't have extra? How are you going to help the LA Dream Center if you don't have extra? How are you going to help those girls in India that we support that, that have been uh, sex trafficked and, and this home that has been built for them? How, how are we going to help uh, these Christians that are being taken advantage of in, in Afghanistan and all that's going on in Haiti? Haiti can't get a break. Right, how, how can we help unless we have this increase mentality? That's what God wants to do in your life. Amen. And oftentimes we wonder, if God's not breaking through in your life, then we have to take inventory. What is it that's in the way? Am I thinking wrong? Let's think, right. Am I thinking wrong? Am I like not thinking right? Am I, do I got unforgiveness in my heart or is something in the way, something limiting? Because God is a net-breaking, boat-sinking kind of God. At least that's the God I know. He might not be the God you know just yet, but I'm telling you, if you'll hang out here long enough, we'll help you understand that we serve a God who's a net-breaking, boat-sinking kind of God. Amen. And we know that, and we believe that. See, David said of God, he doesn't just fill my cup, 
he makes it run over. Amen. That's the kind of God we serve. So this kind of God we serve, we need to adjust our thinking and line up with the way he thinks. We don't limit God by confining his over-the-top nature to our natural circumstances. You don't interpret God through your natural circumstances. You interpret God through his word. I thought I'd have a little bit more amens on that one. Come on, right? Why are you letting our natural circumstances dictate what God can do for us? Don't you dare let how much money you make an hour dictate how much money you make a year. Amen. Your job does not determine your level of increase. Your seed does. Your seed does. Not how much money you make an hour. Don't you let your natural circumstances dictate your level of blessing. Don't you dare limit God like that. Amen. Natural circumstances are real and they stare you in the face and they scream at you in the midnight hour and you wonder how you're going to do what God has asked you to do. And we, we get overwhelmed and we, we limit everything by our, our natural circumstances. When God wants to break you out of those natural circumstances and help you understand what a mighty God we serve. Amen. Amen. So let's allow, you know, his way of thinking to impact our lives and influence our thinking. And the way Peter said it, it doesn't make sense, but because you said so, I'm going to let down the net. Now notice, please, while Peter was experiencing the beginning of this crazy increase and overflow in his life, Jesus together with Peter, called out the other boats. Verse 6, again in verse 7 says, When they had done so, they caught so many large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their who? Partners. I, I'm, I, I'm, I was always so taken back that that's the word that was used. Partners. In the other boat to come and help them and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink as well. Partners. Partners. There's something about partnership. There's something about if we could understand partnership. We're so flipping independent in the United States. We're so independent in the church. We're so independent of me and my thing and my way. And I don't want anybody to understand what I'm going through. And we, we wear all these masks and we hide behind all these issues. And, and we, we, we present ourselves in a way that's not near the truth. Um, and we want to be look so pretty and so like we got it all together and we have our shout and we come raising our hands and we don't realize that, man, we, we're, just, we're just a mess in our lives. You know, God's people have issues. All good people got issues. Don't you tell me you don't have issues because you're a liar. I know you do. I've got issues. You got issues. All God's people got issues. <laughs> Right? It's okay to have issues. It's okay that you're broken. It's okay that you got dark thoughts. It's not okay, but we understand that that happens. And we, we know that God wants to break through on our behalf. Jesus wants you blessed more than you want to be blessed. He wants you personally understanding your due season of increase and overflow. So they signaled, and it was partners that came to the rescue. Peter had already surrendered in obedience to the Lord's instructions. And in his obedience, what God wanted to do for him began to happen. 
And so what does this tell us? That when Peter obeyed God's instructions, it became obvious there was too much provision for one man to handle. He needed partners to complete it. And even with partners, it was still more than they could handle. See, with God, the more partners you have, the more increase there'll be. It's not like you run out of uh, increase. It's not like suddenly the increase stops, right? So the more partners that are obeying God, the more partners that are working together, the more increase there is. See, they didn't reach. They even had help. And there still was many more fish yet to be caught. So let's investigate for just a moment what this word partner actually means. So partner, one who belongs and one who partakes. One who belongs and one who partakes. Notice it doesn't say one who spectates. I don't see that there, right? One who spectates. It doesn't say, you know, the one who stands off to the side and wants nothing to do. No involvement here. I'm just coming. I'm just a consumer. I'm not a participator. You won't find that anywhere in partnership that somebody that stays in the stands. And I said in the first service, and I believe this, we're a spiritual hospital here at IFC. Oh, we said that from the very beginning. We're proud of it. We don't mind that broken people come to church. We don't kind of people that are, that are hurting in every way, shape, or form. We want you to come to church. This is the place you should come. You don't have to clean up before you come to church. You might even be high this morning. We're glad you're here. Some of the rest of you are high on Jesus, I'm sure. But we're all kind of high, <laughs> right? There might be some chemical helping you be high this morning. That's all right, right? You're in church. So we don't want you to clean up and then come to church. We want you to be in church just the way you are. You might be a little hungover, right? And you're not quite sure why you came today, but, but we're glad you came. My point is, as a spiritual hospital, every hospital has patience. And you need to be a patient as long as you need to be a patient. But don't get addicted to being a patient. Everybody loves being a patient. You okay? Are you all right? You need a hug, right? Who doesn't love being a patient, right? All of us want to be patients. We all want the attention on us. Make me feel better. Like, you know, help me out here. But at some point, you have to quit being an eternal patient and start becoming the nurses and the doctors that help the rest of the patients. Right? Amen. And that's the part that we need to understand. Notice there's no spectators here. There's no staying in the stands for the rest of your life. Man, if you want to score some touchdowns and have some fun, get on the field, right? Get on the field. Partnership also means, partnership is a cooperative relationship between people or groups who agree to share responsibility to achieving some specific goal. Yes, we are believing God for individual things. But as partners, we are recognizing it's bigger than just my individual desire. It's now, what is it God's once done here? What is it that God's, why God brought this family together? What's our purpose as a family of believers? Amen. Notice these partners came and got involved with what the Lord was doing through Peter. They dropped what they were doing, washing their nets, and the Bible says they came 
and helped him. Partners are individuals that do three things. They belong, they partake, they help. They belong, they partake, they help. Now, I thought it was very interesting. I looked up all three of those words, and the word help just came alive to me. And we learn a lot about what, and what a partner exactly does. The word help is a Greek word. It's actually a compound word. If you look it up, the first part means together with. The second part means to take hold of and make it your own. Here's what the word help means. It means I am together with others, taking hold of something and making it my own. See, as a partner, it initially is not your own. Initially, those fish were not the partner's fish. They belonged to Peter. Jesus' miracle was working. Peter, those were Peter's fish. But when he invited partners, now they just weren't Peter's fish any longer. Now they were his partners. They were their fish as well. It wasn't their fish until they what? They came together and made it their own, right? They, they put their own net involved. They put their own boat at risk. So that's what partners do. Partners come together, joining in something that's already have increase on it, something that's already blessed, something that's already going in the right direction. Are you following this this morning? This is so good. I'm helping, my, I'm preaching myself happy today. What, what the understanding here is whatever, whatever that something is I'm taking a hold of is not originally mine in the first place, but I take a hold of it and offer my help. I then take ownership of what was not mine in the first place, but now it belongs to me. And so now I am partaking in it and helping and now enjoying the benefits that were somebody else's but they're now mine all as well. Wow. That's the body of Christ. That's how church should operate. That's what God is doing. Amen. On assignment, Peter and James together became partners. Peter and Jesus became partners and completely possessed a portion of their assignment, but it couldn't be done alone. And our assignment here at IFC cannot be done alone. We've been making the clarion call. Amen. 60 different nations now, over 60 different nations, four generations coming together. Why? Because we're on assignment. We got work to do for Jesus. We got people to reach. We have lives to be changed. We have souls that are far from God, a wide range of people that we need to love. That's what we do here at International Family Church. And so it's true. Um, Peter only had a certain amount of nets in his possession. It's true that Vern and I only have a certain amount of nets in our possession. It's true that pastors Josh and Stephanie only have a certain amount of nets in their possession. It's true that the leadership of the church and, and, and those that are involved in dream teams, we only have a certain amount of nets at our possession. But imagine all of us putting all of our nets together. What in the world could we get accomplished? What in the world can we do? Think about this event. This transition is a once-in-a-40-year event. We could also say it's probably a once-in-a-lifetime event. What in the world does God have in store for a once in a lifetime event? When you think about it like that, that's our perspective. Oh my Lord, the opportunities are so amazing. See, I believe this. God has change and increase on his mind. Do you have change and increase on your mind? Are you so caught up in all your drama, so caught up in all the craziness of your world, get it. 
been there, done that. We've all bought the T-shirt. I understand that, right? But God has changed and increased on his mind. I want to make sure that change and increase is on my mind. I want to bring one more point out of this partnership. One more important part that I believe is so important, because we as a church stand at one of the most strategic times in our history, where we, like never before, must work together, each generation working together for the cause of Christ. So I don't want to just leave you with the word partnership. I want to leave you with the phrase generational partnership. God is a generational God. That's what this church so honors God with four generations in over 60 different nations. And I'm, I, I know we're not the only one, but I'm grateful for what God is doing here at IFC. Think about this. In Psalm 78, we, be, we begin to read um, of the instructions given to fathers to make sure that their children and then the children's children understand what God has done in their lives. Let's pick it up here in Psalm 78. In verses 4 through 7, it says, We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children. Verse 6, So the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born, and they in turn will teach their own children. Verse 7, so each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. Now, if you understand the context of this, this was a command. This was a law. This wasn't a suggestion. This was absolutely how life was to be done. And this passing the truth on from generation to generations. How many churches die in one generation or two generations or don't reach any other generations and the church just gets older and older and older and, and, and nothing wrong with churches that have an older, uh, older population and God can do great things but if we're not generational because God is a generational God we need to make room for each generation we need to make room for what's next for God to do this wasn't a suggestion it was a, a truth that should be transmitted generationally to children and the grandchildren. Amen. God is extremely generational. Psalm 79, the theme continues. It says, When we, then we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, will praise you forever. From generation to generation, we will recount your praise. Notice, it's for the sheep of your pasture. It's for everyone. It's not just for a few. It's not just for a few select leaders. It's not just for lead pastors. It's for everybody. The sheep of your pasture, meaning all of us should be generational minded. All of us should be reaching out generationally. All of us should be wanting to cooperate and all of us working together for the cause of Christ. Amen. And so I love this. God is not just the God of the past generation. And he's not just the God of the up and coming generation. He is the God of generations. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all at once. His spirit touching them all, all of them working together. A generational church is not a church that has a youth department or has a children's department, but it's a church where generations are serving and working together all at the same time. How wonderful is that? 
I like to put it this way. A generational church is where Abraham resources Isaac, Isaac releases Jacob, and where Jacob reveres Abraham. Isn't that awesome? I think that's so good. Listen, in closing, we need to be moving forward, each of us stepping up in our commitment to generational partnership. Generational partnership in the following six areas. Praying together, worshiping together, giving together, serving together, doing life together, protecting our unity together. How beautiful is that? Get a picture, please, of generations praying together. We love our times of prayer together, and we'll be calling more in the fall some special times of prayer. You'll hear more about that. But praying together and worshiping together. Something about when generations like this morning, we came together, prayed together, worshiped together. Something happens to us during that time. There's protection. There's joy. There's an opportunity to make a divine exchange from my six-volt battery to God's power plant. Right? You came in here dragging your tail. And man, you're going to go out of here today excited, on fire, hopefully with some more hope in your life and some excitement in your life. Amen. So praying and worshiping together and giving together. As we say here, time, talent, treasure. It's not just about our money, but it's giving of ourselves. Giving of ourselves. Amen. And we are a generous church, and I pray that generosity really rubs off on you. It's one of our core values, generosity. Making sure that that we spread the love, making sure that we use our talents for others. We give our time to others, and we give of our, of our treasure to God. You know, one of the reasons why this church is so blessed is because of the enormous base of tithers and offering givers. My confession for years, and people say, well, I don't know if God will ever answer that prayer, that we have 100% tithers and 100% givers, offering givers. Amen. I believe, you know, that's a possibility. Amen. I do believe that. I really do. Listen very carefully. Here's what I'm asking you. I know that the older generation is probably our largest group of people that tithe and give offerings. I want to challenge our young adults. I want to challenge our, tithe, our teenagers. You need to begin to start tithing. You need to start honoring God. You need to start realizing that it all comes from Him, that you're an owner of nothing and a steward of everything. I want to challenge you. If you're not a tither, and this is your home church. You need to start tithing. You need to give that 10% to God and let him know, God, I honor you. God, I trust you. God, I know that you can. I can do more with 90% blessed than 100% on my own. And if you've not tithed, I encourage you, please, this is a, a, the best opportunity for us and what our future holds to be tithers. Serving together. How important is that to be on a dream team? How important is that to, to get out of the stands and get involved in helping us use your gift to make a, an eternal difference in somebody else's life? Next steps after each service, our, our four-step process of, of understanding who we are as a church and then being a part of a dream team. If you're here and this is your church and you've made this your church, you need to be on a dream team. And I'm asking you, shake off the laziness that COVID brought. Just being honest. What confinement and, and, and all that crazy stuff. Now, we're still going to be diligent. We're still vigilant. We're still doing all that we need to do. And we, you, need to, you need to do whatever you need to do to keep yourself safe and vigilant. I, I understand that absolutely. We're all for that. But does it mean that we should, you know, so many have 
dropped out of serving and it's time to come back to serve. How else can I say that? What an honor and a joy to be able to serve. And I want to challenge you to get back to serving again, doing life together. See, you are called to belong, not just believe. Yeah, believers should be believing, yes. You think it shouldn't be so hard for a believer to believe. But it's more than believing. It's belonging. Belonging. Life groups. You heard a wonderful announcement. What a great video um, from Christian Aaron. What a great opportunity for us to do life together. Amen. Participate. Life groups just started this semester. Get online. Life group finder. Be a part of a life group. And then protecting our unity together. Nothing on earth is more valuable to God than his church. Jesus shed his blood for the church. I wouldn't mess with the church if I were you. Amen. Jesus' blood was shed for the church. Right? Now, you might have been burned by the church, and I'm sorry that you were. You might have been burned by a brutish pastor, and I'm sorry that you were. And I got to tell you, I am not a brutish pastor. And we don't have brutish pastors on this team. Amen. We don't. We don't command and control. We don't use our authority in ways that hinder and hurt people and, and, and mess with their minds. Absolutely. What a privilege and honor to, to shepherd him and to follow Christ um, as you follow us. And, and, and we understand that hurt people sometimes are pretty shy about going back to church. I get it. Please understand something. There's no plan B. There's not the first church of the hurt to go to. And I wouldn't want to go to that church because there'd be a bunch of murmuring going on. A bunch of displaced, hurt people that are offended and, and maybe bitter bitterness. There's only one, one church to go to. Give the church of Jesus Christ as many chances as possible. Amen. That's my word to you today. Amen. Understand that we get it. But understand it's important that we protect the, 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 the unity of our church. How do we do that? By focusing on what we have in common, not what we have, our differences. You can imagine how many differences we have in this room today by 60 different nations and four generations, politically, socially, economically, right? Opinions galore. We have it here. Why are we getting along and why are we growing? Because we don't major on our differences. We major on our similarities. Amen. And that's what makes the big difference. I love what, and, and I close with this verse, I love what Romans 14, 19 says, Let us concentrate on the things which make for harmony, on the growth of one another's character. We major on loving one another as Christ loved us. We major on the fact that we're going to love a wide range of people that are welcome here at International Family Church. You might not be born again. You might be involved in a crazy lifestyle, but we want you to be here. We want you to know you can kick our tires and you can check us out. And all you're going to find is the real deal here at International Family Church. We do life together in a real environment. Amen. And we're grateful for that. So what matters most? What's the bottom line here? God wants to do, what God wants to do here is way bigger than a few of us can handle. It's going to require partnership. It's going to require you saying, I have a gift. I have a talent. I have an ability. And I realize more than ever for this church to accomplish the next season of what God has for us, that we offer that and willingly begin to serve and willingly begin to say, I know not one person 
Pastor and Verna can't do this by themselves. Pastors Josh and Stephanie can't do it by themselves. Our leadership can't do it by themselves. That we need to do it together. See, it's so big, our eyes haven't totally seen it all yet. It's so big that our ears haven't totally heard it all yet. It's so big that our heart hasn't totally grasped it all yet. Well, that might be true. If we'll just be partners, we'll begin to see it all, hear it all, experiencing it all, because it only can be done when we work together for the cause of Christ. Partnership, generational partnership, is what has kept us going this far. It will take us to the next season and all the seasons till Jesus comes back. It's what's worked so far. Let's keep working it. We need all of you. Hear my heart today. Listen to me as I say these words. I have never needed you more than we need you right now. I'm not afraid to say we, I, can't do this without you. Without you getting on board. Without you coming together. Without us recognizing we might not like change. It might not be your friend. It needs to be. You might not like initially, emotionally, what you hear. But I promise you that as God has given us direction, as we say yes to his instructions, and you partner up with what God is doing, you watch. There's a net breaking, boat sinking blessing with your name on it. Because if you'll partner with us, our nets are already breaking. Our boats are already sinking. And I'm crying out and saying, help! We need some partners. Amen? From every walk of life and every age group, let's come together. Let's do it for Jesus. Let's do it for souls. Those fish represent the lost. Those fish and those nets represent people far from God that need to come to Jesus. And I'm so grateful that we're going to be on the cutting edge to make that happen in Jesus' name. The courage to pioneer. We don't fear the future, IFC. We pioneer it. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Will you give God praise this morning? Come on, magnify Him and bless Him. Yeah, thank you, Father. Come on, you can do better than that. Thank you, Lord. We bless you today. What an awesome God we serve today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Come on, with your hands raised today. What adjustments do you need to make in your heart today? What do you need to hear from the Lord that might not make sense or might make you feel a little uncomfortable or might stretch you out of your comfort zone? But what do you need to say, Lord, it might not make sense, it might stretch me to the max, but if you say so, I'll obey you. If you say it, I'll say yes. And so, Father, we listen carefully and we allow you to speak to our hearts. We allow you to stretch us in whatever area, whatever on that list of six, and there are more than that, that maybe we come up finding a little bit of wanting, but we want to adjust and adapt and be a part of what you're doing here at IFC. What a joy to be, to be pioneers. What a joy to have courage and say yes to Jesus today. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, we worship you. Will you tell me you love them today? Lord, thank you for taking such good care of us. Thank you for bringing me to such a, a healthy, thriving family of believers. Oh, Father, we can't do this without your presence. We love you. Thank you for moving in our midst. Thank you for your work being done in our lives today. Thank you, Father. With every head bowed, please. Every believer praying.
Pastor Stephanie will come in just a moment and close the service. But I want to make sure that the best and greatest partnership of all is happening in your life. And that's being partners with Jesus. That Jesus lives in your heart. That you're a child of God. That you're a follower of Christ. That's the best and most important partnership of them all. Just to make sure Jesus lives in your heart, your sins are forgiven, you're, you've got the hope of heaven. Eternity waits and it doesn't hound you, it excites you because you know your life. I want to make sure you know Jesus today as Lord and Savior. Be partners with God. Other partnerships are limited partnerships, but a partnership with God is unlimited. Of what God will help you understand, lead you, and guide you. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to, that, know, that, that don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior to raise your hand in a moment, not to embarrass you. No, I'm not going to ask you to come forward. We don't do that. But I want you to have an individual choice that you make to say, I intentionally say, today is my day to become a follower of Jesus. Today is my day to become partners with God, God Almighty Himself by declaring Jesus as my Lord. Say, Pastor, that's me. Pray for me, please, whether you're in the room or joining us online today. You'll say, Pastor, I need Jesus today. Will you let me know by the raising of your hand that's who you are today? Raise it up high. Yes, thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Who else? Yes, thank you. God bless you. Who else today? Raise it up high. Thank you, Father. Yes, thank you, Father. Anybody else today will say, that's me, Pastor. I, I'm ready to open up my heart to Jesus. I know the great majority of us are probably believers today. Thank you. Thank you. I see that hand, ma'am. God bless you. Who else? Yes, thank you, sir. I see it way back there. God bless you. Who else? Thank you, Jesus. It's a wonderful thing to see people give their lives to Christ. It's a wonderful thing to see people every Sunday say yes to Jesus. How wonderful is that? Anybody else today before we pray? Thank you, Father. You that are online, those that you're chatting with, those hosts online, we would love to pray with you and help you so you can communicate with us so that we can be a blessing to you today. Let's all pray this prayer together with me, please. Father, in Jesus' name, here's my heart. I need you, Jesus. I can't do this by myself. I've tried and I've failed. I need you today. Forgive me from my sin. I declare you as my Lord and Savior. I believe you shed your blood for me. You suffered for me. You died for me. But you rose again for me. And now I ask you, to come live in my heart and make me alive. I receive by faith forgiveness, salvation, eternal life, and a brand new partnership with God. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.